Today, there'll be about 385 million babies born in our world. You know, when you think about that, most of us aren't going to hear about any of them unless there's a celebrity who gives birth or there's somebody among our friends on Facebook or Instagram that gives birth. We're not going to know about any of them. And we might think if, if something happens 385 million times a day, it couldn't be that important, could it? Until it's in our family, right? And then when there's a baby that's born in our family to, to our child or to, to our spouse, or maybe even to a brother or sister, it becomes the most important thing happening on the face of the earth that day. I mean, it's like everything else freezes. That's all we can think about is the birth of that baby. Now, certainly the population of the world was much less 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. And yet there were babies born all over the place and without social media, without the news media, most of those babies no one even heard about. Maybe if the king's family, there was a baby born in that family, you might hear about it weeks or months after it happened or if it was in your own family, but most of them went unnoticed by the world. And tonight we gather to remember a story about a baby born. We're continuing in this series that we've been thinking about as a church throughout this Christmas season that I've called With Us. And we've been thinking about the, the things that bring Jesus to us. The fact that He is both fully God, but completely and totally fully human. And so we've looked at passages that, that really focus in on Jesus' physicality. The fact that He is one of us. That He was with us that he shed tears, that he had emotions like we do, that he, he needed to sleep, his physical body had needs just like ours, that he died on a cross we talked about last Sunday and tonight, that Jesus went through that very physical, human act of being born. The story all begins far away from Bethlehem where he was born in Rome where the most powerful man in the world, maybe the most powerful man who had lived up to that point, Caesar Augustus decides we need to count everybody and we need to tax everybody. So the order went out to local governors and there was a tax in the land where Mary and Joseph lived. And everyone was required to go to their ancestral home, especially if they had a little bit of property, maybe even owned as a family. So Joseph has to go from, from Nazareth in the north and Galilee south to Bethlehem, and that's where we pick up the story, and you've heard parts of it already tonight. Verse 4 of Luke chapter 2, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. You know, those last lines remind us that this story was scandalous in the first century. That Mary and Joseph would have been rejected by a lot of people around them because they were engaged, but she was pregnant. Somebody's been doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. Mary and Joseph, both visited by angels, have been told this child is of God. God has planned this and God has done this. And that's why Mary's pregnant as a virgin. But Joseph chooses to take her with him to Bethlehem, to his family to deal with the embarrassment that he is going to face there because it's nearly time for this baby to be born. And chances are, all the people that would have taken care of Mary in Nazareth have walked away. And so she goes with him 
to Bethlehem. And sure enough, when they get to that town, it's time for the baby to be born. Verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The really fine New Testament scholar Leon Morris says that this whole story points to poverty, obscurity, and even rejection. And when we get to this point in the story, we see that. There's no room, there's no guest room available, nothing in the end. Family maybe was supposed to receive them. Someone else got there first, we don't know, but there's no place for Mary and Joseph to go. And so all signs point to the fact that they end up in a barn, maybe a cave where livestock is, is, is uh, taken care of. And the baby, once it's born, wrapped in cloths, which was the tradition of the first century, supposedly to keep limbs straight, and then laid in a feeding trough in a manger. So here they are, Mary and Joseph. Mary having just given birth to their firstborn in obscurity. No one even knows. I mean, it's just them. In poverty, they have no means. They can't go find a better place. And possibly even rejection. Leon Morris was right about that. And it seems like this is the most average, unnoticed, obscure birth that could have happened until we get to this point in the story. And then everything changes. Verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You read that. Shepherds don't have the best reputation in the ancient world, but God chose to send an angel to them to allow his glory to be seen by these guys. It's not just an angel. It's the very glory of the Lord that is witnessed by these shepherds out in a field watching their flocks. Maybe, depending on where they are, the, the flocks that are owned by the temple priests. And they're afraid. And it seems like everybody who witnesses an angel in the ancient world was afraid. And so they get these words from the angel in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the King, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And these shepherds had to think, and we've been waiting on this as a people for 400 years. Waiting on God to keep the promises that he made to the prophets of the Bible. And it hasn't happened until this night. And an angel shows up in the glory of the Lord. And go find the baby that's a Messiah, the King, the Savior, the Lord. And they're told, go find him. You'll know because he's born in Bethlehem, and there might have been other babies born in Bethlehem that night. We don't know. But there's no other babies lying in a manger. That's how they'll find him. And then it gets even crazier. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
It's really interesting that an army, a host of angels, and that word means army, an army of angels comes to announce what? Peace. But that's exactly what happens. And that's just the beginning of the amazing things that happen. Mary and Joseph show up at the temple to make their offerings, and people prophesy over this baby. We know that maybe up to two years later, these wise men come from the east, and they show up as well to worship Jesus. All this happening to this family that seems so obscure, so poor, so rejected. But it just reminds us of the lesson that I think that we get here, the strange intersection of what is unnoticed but yet noticed by God, that God shows us that this ordinary birth is extraordinary. That there is something more special about this moment than any other birth in the history of mankind or since. That God has done something great. So that's what this whole series has been about, right? It's been about the very physical part of Jesus being with us. And he could not have been with us without this part of the story. I guess if God wanted to, he could have just had Jesus show up, fully grown man. But instead, what God does is allow him to have the full gamut of human experience, birth to death. Imagine that, God showing up in the helpless body of a baby. And then growing from there with first steps and first words and first laughs, as we've talked about in the story. But there being something so very special about him. You know, tonight, hopefully you picked up a bag on the way in. There's three things in that bag, and we're going to use all three of them in the next few minutes. First one I want you to take out is this little blue cloth. It's tied up, and it's got a hanger on it. And the idea for that tonight is... You know, it's not a blanket, but let's let it represent that, okay? You know, we take blankets and we wrap our babies in them to keep them warm and to keep them safe. And Jesus was wrapped up in little strips of cloth, just as normal as a baby blanket for us. But maybe if you take this home and hang it on your tree, you'll be reminded that it looked like something very normal. It looked like something so ordinary. And yet this moment was anything but that. It was completely extraordinary. And in a few moments, we're going to take out the cup. We're going to use that in just a minute. We're going to sing another song before we get there. And then we'll have the candle after that. But as we think about that cup that we're going to take, it's our cup of communion. And what strikes me is that when we think about communion, a lot of times we think about very serious. Tonight we're here to celebrate, and we can even celebrate in communion. You know, it's a very physical act. It's a very physical act for us to take bread and juice and drink them. Jesus with us chose something as ordinary as a meal to remind us of something extraordinary. And as much as we might like to think about babies being born in magical nights with stars and shepherds, we can't have this part of the story without what we talked about Sunday. Jesus' death on a cross. And so in a moment as we take communion, we're going to do that and we're going to think about this ordinary baby that grew up to be extraordinary.
and died an extraordinary death on a cross for our sins. Let's come and we'll sing one more song and then I'll pray for communion. <laughs>